It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Change makers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Just about everyone has had an experience that has led to wondering if there's a way forward. Sometimes it's so devastating that you can't see a path no matter how hard you try. Today's guest, Dr. Ken Druck, joins us to offer a guide for when we find ourselves feeling lost, uncertain, or even terrified about the road ahead. Dr. Druck is one of the nation's leading grief and resilience experts. He's a best-selling author of more than a dozen books, a recipient of the Distinguished Contribution to Psychology Award, and a speaker. His new book is How We Can Go On, Self-Compassion, Courage, and Gratitude on the Path Forward. Welcome, Dr. Druck. Thank you so much for joining us. Good to be with you, Joan. It's been way too long since we've spoken, and I thank you for having me. Well, I'm really happy that you're here, Doctor, because as I said in the introduction, we all have these moments, these situations that really have the ability to knock us to our knees. And sometimes when we're there and we're in so much pain, we really don't know how to move forward. We can't see a way. So what is it that you think happens to us when we're in so much pain that clouds that vision, that keeps us from seeing the way forward? I think, first of all, Joan, it's the permission to be human. You know, we all have what now moments. And whether it has to do with the loss that we've suffered, and not just a life loss, but a living loss. A living loss is a divorce, uh, a retirement, a a radical change in the way we've been living, Uh, perhaps the estrangement of a family member. It could be anything, but it could also be an opportunity. My goodness, we won the lottery, you know, or, or we've met the person of our dreams. And we get kind of frozen. It's like, I don't want to screw this up. The fear, first of all, the permission to be human and to say to ourselves, of course I'm nervous. Of course I'm scared. Of course I don't know what to do. I've never been here before. So I think the first step is really to give ourselves permission to be human and to be rattled and to not know. Some of us think we should know exactly what to do all the time in any given situation, but that's not the truth. That's not, we're human. We don't know. We have to learn. We have to summon newfound courage and strength, understanding, clarity, and direction. You've heard the expression, the devil you know. Do you think that a lot of it is we'd rather just stay where we are because we know it? Absolutely. And and I think one of of the saboteurs, you know, we have all these things that in us that hold us back from becoming that stronger, more courageous, better version of ourselves— And sometimes it's that resistance. It's the devil we don't know. It's being scared. It's the fear that holds us back and creates resistance. So we come upon a situation. We have an important decision to make. And it could be anything. It could be a a relationship decision, a decision in a relationship. 
to speak out and be honest and say something because things are kind of going sideways. It could be the sharing of information about uh, we just came from having our annual physical and we're not sure who to tell or who we can trust, who's going to be our trusted confidant that we could share and unburden with this information. And we hold back sometimes when we should step forward. And I think the, the second major rule is to make sure that we have our foot off our throat and our hand on our heart because self-compassion is one of the key elements of how we go on when we just don't know how to go forward or how to handle a situation. And self-compassion means that I stop and I check to see if I'm talking to myself with my foot on my throat. I'm punishing myself. I'm criticizing myself harshly. I'm beating myself up or bullying myself or, or I'm invoking an, an old screw up in my life and saying, oh, I'm just, I just don't know what to do. I'm not good enough or smart enough. And make sure we have that hand on our heart of kindness, support, encouragement, humility, and acceptance to get us to really get us on the right track and talking to ourselves in a constructive way. Why do you think two people can go through the same type of experience? One is able to brush it off as not much of anything, and the other person can really be broken by it. What is it about those two people that's different in the way they handle the situation? That's such a great question because it, it comes alive in our families. It comes alive in our work, our style of approaching our life's work. It comes alive in friendships, especially friendships that are, that are going through a difficult transition. And I think we're all wired differently. Some of us are so inclined, we go right from a, a, an, a moment of uncertainty into catastrophizing. We go right, or we go right into painting a, a rainbow, you know, uh, into, oh, it's fine. I'm going to be fine. It's, it's all going to work out. We go into, you know, into a sense of either grandiosity or a sense of entitlement or a sense of, uh, you know, rose-colored glasses. So I think we're all wired differently. And if you look at what creates the biggest conflicts in our relationships, it's the failure to realize that we're just wired differently, that some people are inclined to take that first step into catastrophizing and fear and, and a protective kind of fight or flight response. And others are a lot more resilient and a lot more inclined to figure things out and to begin to think constructively about, all right, what are my options here? Yeah, I'm scared. Yeah, I'm, I want this to work out. But what are my options? And to start thinking critically and to even have a friend that we trust, a trusted confidant, we can do a reality check and say, hey, I'm thinking of doing this, but I just wanted to hear myself talking out loud with somebody I trust to make sure it's the right decision. How much of the way we handle situations as adults comes from learned behavior as a child? So for example, when I started doing this work, in a very short period of time, in five months, my 23-year marriage ended, my mom died, my sister died, and my oldest son left for college. So my life was completely ripped out from under me. It took me a long time to do the work and to try to figure out why I was able to handle it so well. I mean, not in the beginning. I mean, I, it was a very difficult time. But moving forward, why I was able to move forward. And then I realized my parents buried my brother when he was 14. And I think a lot of what I knew or, or knew how to do in later life 
came from just watching my parents my entire life without realizing it. Does that happen in most of our lives? And how much of the way we handle it has anything to do with us? It's from other people. Absolutely, yes. And, you know, one of the things you and I just shared, I just came from New York giving the giving a keynote speech uh, for the 22nd anniversary of 9-11. And, you know, so I had a chance to take a break. And my wife and I snuck off and we saw a beautiful noise, the, the Neil Diamond play. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what the play was about. It was about things that happened to him in childhood, what it was like living with post-Holocaust parents in New York and the influence of their constant vigilance and worrying and fear and being in that atmosphere, how he had to find a way out and beyond. And it was through his music. It was through what he created. He created a path forward through his music. And that's what the play was about. And I thought it was brilliantly done because the first act starts with him sitting there with his therapist. And they're beginning to deconstruct why he, in his adult life, He has spent so much time on the road, distant from his relationships. It was a beautifully told story with great music to boot. So not only when we go through trauma and we experience all these different types of situations, we have to also be mindful of what we're teaching our children and grandchildren. This can become generational trauma. Exactly. They are watching and how we frame what's happening in our lives, how we treat one another as parents, uh, how we relate to our families, our aging parents. You know, they're watching all of that, the imprint of the way we're acting, the way we handle conflict, the way we discipline them, the way we set healthy limits and boundaries for them, the way we acknowledge them, uh, you know, and, and, and especially and their siblings together. All those things are setting kind of the template for what they're going to then go out to the world and start adulting. Where are they going to get the template for how to adult, for how to go through their teenage years? Of course, they're going to learn things by themselves. And some kids are going to become an I'm not my father or I'm not my mother because they're going to so strongly disidentify with with the parent who was doing something that was painful for them or added stress and pressure for them. I think absolutely, you know, we we need to be mindful of the example that we're setting, what we're becoming a role model of. And hopefully it's self-compassion, self-support, self-care, treating other people with compassion, patience, understanding, asking good open-ended questions of other people, really getting to know them, finding out how they're doing and what style they they're dealing with life to understand they're not, they're not lesser than uh, us because they deal with life, life differently. They're just different. They just handle things differently, and they may come from a completely different background. One of my favorite expressions, I always like to quote Nike. I think they had such a brilliant slogan when they said, just do it. And a lot of times people will say, how did you do this? How did you do that? And, and I say, I just did it. So without oversimplifying it, because it's not simple, but how important is it to do something different if you want to have a different outcome? Well, I, I think absolutely we have to stick our neck out. We have to do that risk assessment, like where am I going to get? What's at risk if I do nothing? What's at risk if I do something, 
but I have to stick my neck out. I have to take a chance. I have to bet on myself. I have to take the path forward that I think is going to help me become the better version of me and have a bit the better life that I believe I deserve. And I think some of us are risk aversive and risk avoidant. And some of us are have more tenacity and confidence and we're more inclined to take a risk. We, we don't, we don't live in fear of failure. We don't live in fear of, and, and are crippled and paralyzed by the fear of making mistakes. We're, we accept that we're human, and sometimes you know we're gonna we're gonna screw up a little bit. There was I read a recent article about some of the greatest thought leaders of our time, and how they screwed up when they were 16 or 19 or 22, and and it kind of puts everything in perspective that we're human after all. We're gonna make mistakes. We're gonna have setbacks. We're gonna have failures. We're gonna suffer losses but that we can strengthen and build our resilience. And no matter how we're wired, we can build our resilience and we can really strengthen ourselves and summon and call up from within ourselves newfound courage. Maya Angelou said that courage is the greatest virtue and that it's, an, it's threaded through every one of the great virtues. Well, we have the ability to summon newfound courage and strength and to go forward and to take a chance even if we haven't taken chances in our lives before, whether it's a relationship, a new job, uh, going on an adventure, uh, let's do it. Let's try it. Let's do it. As you said, let's take the Nike encouragement and inspiration. Let's try it. Let's do it. One of the biggest lessons that I've learned over the years is that it's important to release expectations of the way we believe our life would play out. You know, we all write this story of our life and, it's so easy to say, well, I shouldn't be divorced, or my mother shouldn't have passed away, or all these things that shouldn't happen. When you cling to all those supposed to be's, I think that's what keeps us in so much pain. I agree. But I think that it's important for us, look, we all have parts of our history, or most all of us, that hurt, that traumatized us, that paralyzed us, that really set us back that we still remember and occasionally we get triggered back into the, the trauma and the remembrance of it. You know, coming from 9-11, I was reminded, I, I realized that whenever I go to New York and I come back to New York and do programs or meet some of the people that I worked with 22 years ago, uh, there's an opportunity there. There's an opportunity to reconnect and to appreciate and to validate and support and continue to heal with each other. But there's also going to be pain. You know, I, I, w I was reminded by so many people that I ran into of some of the more painful moments. And what do we do with that? Do we allow that narrative of the bad things that happened, the losses, the changes, the difficult transitions to dictate our future? Or do we write new chapters? Do we allow ourselves to say, our damn it, you know, to vent, to air it out? with somebody or with ourselves to allow ourselves to feel the pain, be angry about what happened or to be upset and to register that that's something we'll probably always remember, but to go forward, to take that path forward, to go on, to say, I'm not going to allow that to dictate. I'm not going to let my pain be the central organizing principle in my life. I'm going to be my love of the person that I lost. I'm going to let my love be the central organizer or my 
tenacity to go on and to create meaning and purpose in the rest of my days, however many there are going to be. I think a a really wonderful example of what you're talking about right now, a a number of years ago, I interviewed Scarlett Lewis, who lost her seven-year-old son, Jesse, at Sandy Hook. I know Scarlett well. Well, and and so, you know, one of the things that struck me was her ability to forgive her son's killer. She decided that I'm not going to stay in this place of anger and and hatred and 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 so she was able to move forward by doing that and and you know like you said you have to figure out a way to write a new chapter yep and that's what you know how we go on is all about it's about taking those steps doing those things cultivating those practices that allow us to write new chapters of life i have something called the seven honorings that was a template that i shared with the 911 families self-care, and our own survival is an honoring. You know, doing something good in their name is an, is an honoring. Embodying the essence of the special essence of that person we've lost is another honoring. But writing new chapters of life, is, is a, it, takes a, it takes a lot of courage and tenacity, but it's a way that we honor those people that we've lost, and it's a way that we honor ourselves for having gone through a tough time of life and rising up out of those ashes and creating life. You know, we're here for a limited amount of time. And how about honoring ourselves and what we've lost by making good of whatever time and opportunities that remain in our lives and becoming that better version of ourselves? Doctor, for someone who's listening to you right now and is in agreement, but that person is really in a dark hole and and can't figure out a way out, What's the first step? The first step is to do a self-compassion check audit to make determine whether you have your foot on your throat and the way you talk to yourself, the way you reflect to yourself what's going on and your ability to rise up out of it and rise above it to get unstuck and to see whether maybe moving your hand from your throat down to your heart and showing yourself greater kindness, understanding, support, encouragement, even humility, forgiveness, whether that can change the polarity of what's happening in you as you face into whatever change or challenge or loss or opportunity stands in front of you. And I think that is the most critical, essential thing to do is to keep your hand on your heart, keep the hand of kindness as the voice you're listening to and speaking to yourself with. The book is How We Go On, Self-Compassion, Courage, and Gratitude on the Path Forward. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Druck and his work, you can visit kendruck.com. Doctor, in our final moments, what would you like to leave our listeners with? What is the takeaway? Well, I think the takeaway is that there is a continuum from self-compassion to self-condemnation, and that most of us just don't realize the degree to which we condemn we pressure, we judge, uh, and we disfavor ourselves, we diminish ourselves, when right around the corner is the opportunity for self-compassion, is to treat ourselves with support and love and acceptance and kindness, tough love when we need it, but support above all other things and to give ourselves the encouragement we need to go forward. And by the way, 
if people are interested in the book, they can go to uh, to howwegoon.com, and that's uh, even better than my website, kendruck.com, but howwegoon.com. And, uh, and I just want to thank you, Joan, for the work that you do. Talk about giving gratitude to people who, who, who need it and deserve it. Thank you for the work that you do day after day, week after week, to bring light where there's darkness. Thank you so much for saying that, because when you're in that situation, you know, like your work is about in this book in particular, you don't see the way forward. You, you don't think that there's any hope. And, and I remember when I was really lost at the time, and I, I didn't want to be here, not because I really wanted to die, but because I didn't know how to live. And so your book, How We Go On, offers a lifeline to anyone who finds themselves in that situation. So once again, visit HowWeGoOn.com. And Doctor, thank you so much for joining us. Joan, it's a pleasure to reconnect with you. You stay well, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.